0: Hi everybody. This is Wolverine Wrestling Report. The regular season is over now. Michigan beat Michigan State uh, a little over a week ago now. Finished the regular season at five and one. Uh, This episode is going to be recapping the regular season mostly from an individual perspective looking at uh, the starters at every weight kind of going over their season and uh, the ups and downs and you know what I think of them. I'm going to have a a series of guests. It's going to be broken up into four segments. Uh, each one looking at a couple different weights, looking at uh, the seasons those guys had, as well as looking ahead to uh, the Big Ten and the national tournaments. Thinking about you know how the how the guys at those weights can do their chances to qualify, their chances to place. This episode is a little bit longer than usual, but I think it was worth it, and uh, hopefully you guys like it. So we begin with uh, 125 and 33. Joining me today uh, for this segment is Clay Sauertyke, who came on for the Extra Matches show I did a few weeks ago. Clay, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I uh, wasn't quite sure when we talked that we would get through a full season, but it seems like we're well on our way at this point. Obviously, uh, already at Conference tournaments. by the time some of you will have heard this, uh, the first weekend seems like it'll be through. And... Uh, we're full steam ahead with Big Tens this weekend.
0: Yep. Uh, we're recording this uh, the weekend before Big Ten, so we do not have pre-seeds, which means we don't have lineups. But the big news is that Stefan Micic at 133 is, uh, has been ruled out. Clay, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: It's a shame. Um, from a neutral perspective, Micic was one of my favorite wrestlers. Probably the last time, well, the last time, Probably means we will not see him on the college wrestling mat again. I I would be very surprised. Um, I I thought if he had went and if he had had a full season, he was my favorite at 133. Um, Maybe even by a good margin, which I know is a little hot takey with with some of the talents out there at 33. But it's a bit disappointing from a neutral perspective. And I'm really interested to see how his freestyle career possesses or uh, Mm -hmm. goes forward from here.
0: Yeah, definitely disappointing, but I guess it's—he's obviously got his eyes on bigger things, and hopefully, um, with without you know breaking down his body anymore, he's able to have success with that. And uh, it means Medley and Ragazin will both be in the lineup.
1: Yeah, and, and particularly for Jack Medley, we'll we'll talk about more how long we think his postseason will be, or how, how what his odds look like. But I, I'm happy that he's getting the opportunity because I imagine it would have been Ragisson at twenty-five, where they would have found a way to get Ragason at twenty-five, had Nietzsche been in the lineup. Although I was of the opinion all year that Nietzsche would have gone forty Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so let's um let's get into their season. So Dylan Ragason came in. Uh had a great off season, great uh freestyle run. Uh came in at one twenty five. Uh, pinned Nick Aguilar, his first match, in like a minute. And it was a whoa, You know how good is this guy? Mm-hmm. Had um, a couple wins. Had a tight match with Brock Hudkins that I think would have been a good barometer uh, for him, but there's no video of the match because the BTN Plus feed like, messed up. So mm-hmm. I have no idea what happened in that match. Uh, then there was the two-week layoff, and then he started wrestling 133, I think, was weighing in light, um, mm-hmm. had kind of mixed results, had a, a loss to Roman Bravo Young, which is obviously uh, forgivable, and then beat Jordan Hamden. Uh, what did you think about his season, just kind of overall?
1: I was pretty high on Reguson coming out of high school. I feel like we talk about a lot of people that you talk to. One of the few people that felt like I was familiar with Reguson but particularly high after a senior national performance. I look back now and we'll kind of see as the postseason progresses and wonder if maybe we probably should have pumped the brakes a tiny bit on the hype train because after the aguilar pin i think there was a lot of people that were like like you said oh wow how, how good is this kid and i think he's very good and going to have a very good career but i kind of think we might have gotten a little bit ahead mm-hmm. of ourselves but, but it's tough to say with four matches or five matches the Hudkins win is a good, not great win, mm-hmm. but I mean especially I kind of with the is...
0: way the rest of Hudkins' season kind of played out, and it looks mm-hmm. like now maybe he's not even going to go postseason, whether it's health or ability or what.
1: Yeah, I, I, I am still very interested in Raggison and think he can have a very good career, will have a very good career. I think maybe we probably hit the gas a little too hard, but I think uh, we'll, we'll kind of get an indication of that as, as the tournament proceeds.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah I mean a, a lot of the things he was doing In freestyle were fairly freestyle Specific and it, it was tough To kind of extrapolate from that But he had You know a, a good season I thought he generally Wrestled well um, And like
1: You look at the Aguilar result and Aguilar had a decent Year last year mm-hmm. Aguilar's 0-4 this year Oh really I, I believe is, is if I'm reading this correctly On Yeah 0-4 on, on the year so, I mean, you can only wrestle who you put in front of me, and, and pinning something in the first period is great, but it's not a good indicator of where Radisson's at right. compared to the rest of the field. That being said, we've talked about how soft this 125 field is.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so uh, let's talk about Jack Madley's season. He weighed in at 125 for every duel, which I think some people don't realize. He mm-hmm. was often wrestling extra matches, so he would weighing at 25 he would wrestle 133 and had a a pretty good year had a big win over jordan decatur especially and then was wrestling some of the extra matches at 25 um and i'm not sure if that was just to get him matches to make sure he had four at the weight just Mm -hmm. um get him you know hopefully closer to uh the coaches rankings but it was um you know, I think a tough situation for him because he, you know, wanted to be at 25. Mm-hmm. You know, naturally is at 25 there, having him wrestle 33. Uh, eventually became the starter at 25 at the end of the year. Um, but I thought a, a pretty good season for him.
1: Yeah, I've kind of struggled with what to make of Medley because if you look at his resume on the year, it's solid if spectacular. He didn't have any really good wins to... Not a bad loss to Asa Garcia, the yeah, I thought Asa Garcia had a good high school career and will have a good college career, but got beat down pretty bad, bumping up against Asa Garcia. But like, it's tough to say because he was put in that situation where he was jumping all over the place. Last year was mm-hmm. an NCAA qualifier. Uh, I want to say went 3-2 and two or 4-2 and two at, at the Big Ten tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I think
0: uh, finished fourth.
1: And a really good showing there. So, like, it's, it's tough to see... It's tough to see what what to make of that. Uh, I think at 125, he has a good chance of being qualifier again. Um, But you'd hope that he has a good idea of what weight he's going well ahead of time and can actually adjust to Mm -hmm. to to that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so looking ahead, um, what do you think they do with the two of them in terms of who goes what weight?
1: Here's the thing, I think if, if um, Raggison can make 125, he's probably the better option at 125, but I'm, one, I'm not sure that's the case, which takes, I mean, the decision completely out of your hands, and two, I almost think that, like, you owe it to Jack Medley, who Mm -hmm. did make weight the entire time, and is a senior, well, redshirt junior or whatever, senior eligibility, I think it should be up to him in my opinion. And I know that you're gonna do what's best for your team, but I think it would be kind of ugly to to leave him hanging until Mm -hmm. this point and then say, oh well, you're bumping up 33 without having a chance to actually, nothing would have bulked that much, but bulked a little bit to 33 throughout the season. So I I think it'll be medley at 25 and and Mm -hmm. Bragginson at 33.
0: Yeah, especially uh, at one point it looked like Michigan would be in the hunt for a team title where you're maybe going to take certain risks to mm-hmm. to maximize your point, to maximize your upside, where Ragazin could be, a, maybe it's a bit of a long shot, but could be a finalist at 125. <clears throat> probably doesn't have that upside at 33, but there's also probably more downside where with Medley, I think his floor is, um, you know, in the top 20. Uh, and I think Raguson's floor at 133 is pretty similar. He's... um. I think only the open mat has him ranked at 33 and they've got him at like 21st, but I think he's pretty Mm -hmm. clearly a top 16, top 12 type guy.
1: It's interesting because we've talked all year about 125 not being a very good weight, but when you look at the Big Ten, which we'll get into a bit more, 125 is deeper than 133 is by Mm -hmm. a fairly significant portion.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if if you look at uh, the 125 ranking, so it's – uh, the Big Ten has eight spots. It says seven because they're doing uh, something goofy with the terminology this year, but top eight qualify. Uh, Flo has uh, has Medley ranked ninth, I think, at 125. Eleventh. Eleventh, yeah. So, but if you look at the, the guys ahead of him, he's beaten Barnett. He's beaten DiAgostino. He's beaten Cardani. Mm-hmm. You could definitely see him getting in the top eight, but it's it's far from guaranteed, and so it's.
1: I mean, I definitely think that there's an argument for not necessarily with medley, but you look at the the that two through eleven spot. I, I don't think it's out of the picture to say somebody like eighth or tenth could finish second, mm-hmm. and somebody second could finish outside the top eight.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, especially not knowing the health of Rayvon Foley. Uh, up and down performances by Eric Barnett, up and down performances by Pat McKee, uh, a freshman above him, a true freshman above him, Robbie Howard, who has three college matches. So there's a lot of volatility there, at least the potential for volatility.
0: Mm-hmm. So if, um, if that is Jack Medley, do you see him uh, qualifying either automatically or with, uh, with an at-large?
1: I think at-larges this year are going to be, I don't know whether that'll be tough, but definitely interesting. We talked mm-hmm. off air about how weird the allocations are and who got what. I feel like there's going to be a good amount of wrestlers that we feel should be in who don't who need, who need at-large bids. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think it'd be on the borderline. I think there's a very good chance of him qualifying, but he's going to have to beat somebody, obviously, like a, Barnett or McKee or turn around that Howard result, which you could definitely do. I mean, Mm -hmm. we saw the Howard match when it was 6-5 and really, really close. Now, I think you look at that and you wonder, like, okay, first match and only been on the mat a week. Who who knows with Howard? But there's definitely guys in here that just by sheer, like, work and, like, performances you feel Medley can be – I think it'll be – you mentioned he beat DiAgostino last year. Uh, beat Barnett last year uh so it's it's definitely possible uh I would probably put it at, at like fifty five forty five that he gets in
0: mm-hmm. yeah I'm inclined to go a little bit higher but it's it's definitely tough. I think he's gotten better in uh in getting the legs you know where I think he... so
1: many of those guys. Like we said, from like two to eleven, are so razor thin close mm-hmm. that like nothing would be surprising. Yeah, and part. I think
0: Medley does well in those matches. You know, he can, he's he's got a great gas tank. He does well in, uh, in overtime. He's pretty good at killing time on top, so he does well in tie breaks.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I think he's done a really good job this year of actually getting to legs where last year it was, like, eighty-five percent front headlocks.
1: Mm-hmm. And the one thing about Medley that, it's like, that I've seen from him in the last couple years is he's not going to beat himself. So if he gets into a late match situation, he's not going to do something weird like get caught rolling through right. or, or go for a big move that he didn't need to do and, and give up two or give up four or six. Uh, there, there's situations where I would feel more comfortable with him than some of the guys ahead of him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, how do you see, just uh, quickly, if you think it's Ragazin at this weight, where do you see him finishing within the Big Ten? It's
1: really interesting. So it's it's kind of soft without, without metrics in there. You're looking at. Bravo Young and DeSanto, mm-hmm. who I think were... Well, let's look, look
0: just for a second at 25. Uh, oh, oh at 25. At 25. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you see him as clearly he, number two, or do you think he's just in the mix? No,
1: no see, I think he's definitely in the mix. Yeah, mix. I agree. Uh, the, I mean, I, th- I think he could definitely beat most of those guys, but I think he could definitely... Uh, I would say he's very similar to Medley in terms of his... His fit in there. Yeah, his kind I of think range he, maybe of maybe it's a bit upside. I, I don't. I don't know that I think Medley can finish second, whereas I think Ragusin can finish second. But I think just mm-hmm. as equally, Raguson can finish like tenth or eleventh.
0: Yeah, pretty similar range of outcomes. Yeah. So if um, I think uh, based on that, it would probably make more sense to put him at one thirty three.
1: Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, I think that, that I feel more confident in Medley not uh, having a higher floor, like you mentioned earlier. Whereas Ragusan, even if he has lower floor, if you look at the 133 field, mm-hmm. it, it may not matter. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And slow has a number seven right now. There's, I think how ma- he's how many spots than, did you say that? Uh, eight at both weights.
1: And there's not eight kids that should be mm-hmm. in the tournament. Yeah, I think there's
0: after. So they have a uh, Decatur from Ohio State at number eight. Nine is Kyle Berwick from Wisconsin, who is. I think not really
1: a, a qualifier level guy. Of, and the funny thing is, you look at like you look at Decatur, you look at Berwick, you look at Rundle, you look at Jordan Hamden. Even there's plenty of talented young guys, but just not at that level right now. Even like mm-hmm. Dryden, I would say, Bud Dryden, who's, who's six there, is a borderline qualifier level guy. Yeah. So it's just gonna be. I mean, we we talked about it with other conferences, but particularly with this conference uh, at this weight. You're going to be have guys hitting on that qualifying spots that really shouldn't be getting on that qualifying spots.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where do you see him stacking up in uh, in this group? I think he's ahead of Dryden, and you could say he's potentially ahead of guys like Bird and Chris Cannon.
1: Yeah, I would put. I think you nailed it. I would put him somewhere in the four to six range. Um, you you're looking at, then at three freshmen in in Cannon, Bird, and Raggison who have different elements to their game, but have all showed really high upside at times. I was pretty mm-hmm. high on Lucas Bird out of, out of high school, a Cincinnati LaSalle kid. Uh, Chris Cannon, who spent most of his career as a backup at Blair Academy, has, has always been a really talented kid, which is, seems kind of crazy to say. Um, and looked good this year, but there's no reason Raggason can't be either of them. And honestly, I think I wouldn't pick him, but I think Raggason could be in a close, close match with Sammy Alvarez.
0: I... I... I don't think Sammy Alvarez is that good to be honest. I
1: I've never seen Sammy Alvarez open up and then put away a match. I, mean, I don't see there's any I don't think there's any reason to think that that Raguson couldn't go with him. Mm-hmm. I think I'd probably pick Big Alvarez because he doesn't give up a ton of points. To, mm-hmm. to kids that are elite kids and even even high level kids he doesn't give up a ton of points. I mean I guess the issue but, would
0: be Raguson getting off bottom, but
1: but yeah, I definitely think that Raguson could go with somebody like Alvarez. Mhm. Whereas it's it's interesting though because I don't think I don't think Medley could I think I think he's a really bad matchup for Medley.
0: Mhm. Yeah, Medley in uh in that match with Garcia, I think he kind of saw his limitations. Where, I mean, for one thing, he just kept getting carried over and over again because he kept going for the front headlock. He's like, all right, mm-hmm. I've got you, and then the kid would just hit that same kind of dump, mm-hmm. and he just kind of didn't have any answer to that. But he also seemed to struggle with. This guy's just way stronger than I'm used to, and the same
1: things don't work as well. Yeah, because Medley, I mean, at least visually, does not look like a big twenty-five. Right, not at all. So, I mean, you're looking at kids at 33. Then you're going to have a significant advantage. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you throw him out there against like an Austin DeSanto, it's going to be like a, a butchery.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I, well, impress, if, I think he could and, he
0: could keep it close against DeSanto because he'd be smart about things, but.
1: I don't know, you just said he kept going to the front head and getting dumped against Garcia.
0: Right, but I'm so, just just um, you know with the coaching staff, that particular yeah. mashup, I think he could keep it I, I tighter. But generally I agree that he he would not be able to hold it up with some of these top guys.
1: The strength and the intensity I think would, would be would be tough. But, but I think Raguson physically fits fits better at mm-hmm. the weight class at 133. I don't know what he was weighing in at the last couple of those when he was weighing 133 but when, once they make, or when he was wrestling at 133, but once they make the decision, if they make the decision, he's going 133 for the tournament, I think he'd be close to that weight, if not higher. That's mm-hmm. at scratch. But uh, yeah, I, I would say that they both have, both could be potential qualifiers, uh, What you don't, the reason I think you don't flip them is because I think that if you don't, if you keep them at 25 and 33, Raggy's at 33, I feel very, very strongly that Raguson would qualify, at least. Mm-hmm. If you flip them, I think it's unlikely, but you open up the potential, I think, of both, for missing. both not qualifying.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the chances of either of them placing at the national tournament?
1: I have to look at 133 nationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was super, super strong coming into the year. So I uh, like just things the, um, just got kind of ripped apart.
0: Right now, uh, according to the Open Mat, number eight is Matt Schmidt from Missouri, and you've got around him guys like Corbin Myers, Chris Cannon, Lucas Bird.
1: I mean, I think Raguson could definitely place at one thirty-three. Then mm-hmm. I don't know that I would pick it, but if it happened in that weight class, would it surprise me? Not at all. Um, I don't see it for medley. Uh, I think Medley could definitely go 2-2 and two and maybe have you some in, um, success on the backside. Even
0: in that kind of topsy-turvy feel, you think he's not a top 8
1: guy? Here's the thing. I think he can beat any one of those guys. I don't know that he can beat mm-hmm. enough of them consecutively.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's he, He's got a, you know, 20-30% chance of beating any one of them. Mm-hmm. And he's got to, you know, string three of them together.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the issue. Whereas with Raguson he's just does so many different things. And it's almost to like the point where there's an advantage of him being a freshman mm-hmm. because there's not a ton of tape out there on him, at least on this level,
0: right?
1: where guys are feeling him for the first time. Um, so I, I definitely think that Raggison could have an outside shot at placing at 133 now. Maybe he goes to the Big Ten tournament and looks horrible up at 133. It's, it's a freshman, it's up away. Who knows? And the season has been super unpredictable. But I think, obviously, we talked about it three or four times here, his upside, I, I would say, is a good bit higher, at least a little bit higher than that least.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, well, uh, that's going to do it for this segment. Clay, thanks for coming on and uh, talk to you again soon.
1: Awesome. Appreciate you having me and looking forward to uh, watching some Big Ten wrestling.
0: All right, moving on up to 141 and 49. Uh, Jake Afariot is here now. Jake uh covers Penn State wrestling for the Daily Collegian. He was on for the Penn State preview show. Jake, welcome back.
2: Thanks for having me. Good to be here.
0: Uh so since we last spoke, uh Michigan wrestled against Penn State and uh Michigan State. Uh how do you, how do you think uh those duels went both for Penn State and for Michigan?
2: Uh yeah, I mean Penn State I guess kind of unsurprisingly, you know, ran the table and uh you know went out and dominated against maryland um you know they were supposed to wrestle iowa ahead of michigan but that didn't happen so then they wrestled michigan on a sunday a couple of days later went out and wrestled ohio state uh they were tied 12-12 at the half um and then Jolie got pinned uh, to sort of make it tied. Penn State ran away with it from there and was 28 to 12. Um, I mean, I think in, you know, like since Michigan fans will have last seen Penn State, I mean, I think a lot of the guys are probably definitely improved. Um, You know, I mean, I think Robbie Howard would be a good example. I mean, obviously Howard's match against, You know uh jack medley was quite close but you know against ohio state he struggled against heinzelman a little bit but still held uh heinzelman to a decision and then he picked up his first career win uh over uh maryland's 125 pounder and so you know i think that he's a kid who you know, definitely as the season has progressed, uh, will have gotten better. Um, so I think he's kind of been one of the storylines of since, you know, Michigan fans will have last seen Penn State, also Carter Starocki, um obviously beat Logan Massa and then turned around and beat Caleb Romero uh, a couple days later against Ohio State. So, Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of been business as usual for Penn State, and I don't think anybody's necessarily really surprised. I mean, I do think, you know, the one thing is that, you know, obviously heading into this tournament, okay, so one thing that works in Penn State's favor is that it's at home, it's at the Bryce Jordan Center. Granted, there won't be fans, but Penn State won't have had its best litmus test of the year in Iowa. They weren't able to reschedule that match. So I think for as well as Penn State has wrestled, you know, the last two weeks, uh, you know, since February 14th in that Michigan duel, you know, they haven't necessarily been tested as a team along the way. Individuals have been tested, but I don't think the team has necessarily been tested. So I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, where Penn State is heading into Saturday. I mean, here's a team that, you know, against Maryland uh, on Monday had... I think it was six or seven freshmen in the lineup, which for Kale Sanderson led teams is, I mean, it's not rare, obviously, but, you know, they haven't had that many freshmen in the lineup in a while, so it's kind of the start of a new four year cycle. So, I mean, you know, we'll see how those guys do come tournament time. And then, you know, as for Michigan, um, you know, obviously you can speak to that a bit more than I can. uh, But, I mean, listen, they certainly put up a fight against Penn State, and they certainly looked competitive and held their own for, you know, a lot of that match. And I mean, I know Penn State's their only loss on the season. So, you know, I mean, it's hard to bet against, again, it's like this whole thing of, you know, the team versus the individual, and that's obviously a big part of wrestling. But, um, you know, I know they routed Michigan State pretty handily. um, And, you know, I know, uh, like, Miles Amin knocked off Cam Caffey. And, you know, I know there were a couple of upsets along the way. But, you know, still, again, I think Michigan has sort of proven this year that they are now kind of one of the preeminent teams in the conference. And if not necessarily one of the teams to beat, you know, definitely a contender for, you know, this third, fourth-place finish in the Big Tens, which, you know, I mean, I remember when I started covering Michigan Penn State four years ago, you know, Michigan was maybe a top-ten team, you know, if that. So,
0: Yeah, and Penn State guys um, at a couple weights, I think, are sort of going head-to-head with Michigan for qualification spots, uh, especially at 125 and 49, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, so Drew Matton at 141 had uh, an okay season, went 3-3, three and three. Uh, only lost to Rivera and, uh, from Rutgers and uh, Nick Lee from Penn State. Very uh, forgivable. Beat some kind of lower tier guys, but then lost to Dylan D'Emelio from Ohio State, which was a match uh, he definitely could have won. He was right there the whole way. Score was six five, and a match that he probably needs to win to be uh, a difference maker, a guy who's you know clearly qualifying and scoring points at nationals. Uh, Do you have anything to add on Drew Matten's season?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, just sort of looking at, again, looking at it on paper, I mean, so, you know, obviously the losses to Lee and Rivera don't upset me, and, you know, they're not necessarily super troubling just because of who those guys are. But the wins that he has don't necessarily impress me a ton either. I mean, these aren't guys who are necessarily top ten guys in the conference at the weight consistently. So it's like, okay, you know, when that's the case, do you judge the body of work based on how close he was in the losses to the better guys or based on the result of the wins against the worst guys? And so I think it's, you know, it it can be a little bit, I don't know if deceiving is the right word, but I think there's kind of a juxtaposition there. I mean, I guess, you know, question for you would be, you know, in your assessment, obviously watching Michigan more than I do, I mean, do you think... Matton looks kind of out of his depth at 41, given that he was at, you know, 25 a couple of years and 33 a year before that? Um, you know, it's it's tough
0: to assess, like you said. I thought he'd be a little bit better.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, he's, he's definitely not. I don't think at the level he was a couple years ago as a 25, where he was... Uh, basically a surefire qualifier and would go like two and two at nationals. He's now looking more like a guy who's, um, you know, gonna get shut out or maybe win win one match. Uh, and you know, he's he's definitely got it within him to do a bit better than that, but I don't really see him making a deep run or placing or anything.
2: Mhm. And yeah, I mean, you know, that's the whole thing is. You know, again, like, what I saw of him against Nick Lee, I mean, again, Nick Lee sort of eats everybody for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, I mean, that's just who he is. That's how good he's always been. Um, so, you know, I think, again, it, it's this whole thing of, like, yes, obviously, when you lose to the best guys, you know, it, it's tough because, you know, if you hang with them, well, then that's some consolation. But, um, you know, I mean... It was a 10-4 decision against Nick Lee, which isn't necessarily a blowout, and I think was actually Lee's first win by decision of the year. I think up to that point, every other he win got a end. little
0: bit lucky with the stall calls. could have, if uh, if they'd given one more stall, then he wouldn't have cut him the last time, and it would have just been 11-3 for the major.
2: Yeah, because I was gonna say I think before that, uh, all of Lee's other wins had been by bonus. So. Um, you know, I mean, again, I don't think anybody necessarily expected Matt to go in there and upset Nick Lee. Um, but, you know, might have liked to have seen something more competitive. And again, you know, uh, looking just at the resume, I mean, the wins, you know, again, like I'm not enamored by them. But obviously, there are three wins in the Big Tens, you know, the preeminent conference in the country. So, I mean, I think it's kind of a toss-up. I mean, how many spots does 41 have?
0: Uh, we can get into this more later, sure. but it's it's 8 uh, at 141 for the Big Ten. Yeah. So he's he's kind of on the bubble for that. Yeah. Uh, and then at 149, uh, store also a little bit uh, you know, beat the guys he's supposed to, lost the guys he's supposed to, um, with the exception of the Peyton O'Mania loss, where he got headlocked twice. Uh, on the one hand, that's... You know, that's a guy he really should be beating. Even if he gets headlocked once, he can he should be able to come back from that. On the other hand, Omania is uh, very dangerous, and Omania was having a different kind of night. His high school coach had passed away like two days before, and um, he was, you know, wrestling with a lot of emotion. Um, so he, we thought he would wrestle... Um, for Claren or uh, Bo Bartlett against Penn State. Instead, it was uh, Terrell ball, Barrel. Yeah. Uh, how? Uh, um, what, what? Um. Who do you think it'll be for Penn State come postseason, and, and how much can we take away from uh, that match?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's tough. My guess is that it's probably going to be Bo Bartlett. Um, I'm pretty sure, thanks to extra matches, uh, Bartlett already has... under his belt like I mean I'm just looking so he wrestled an extra match against Cole Matten when Penn State went to Michigan he competed in the last two duels and held Sammy Sasso to a single digit margin of victory decision and actually scored first on Sasso Um, and so I think the totality of all those things probably leads me to believe that it's going to be Bartlett I mean you know Penn State's in an interesting spot uh, and Kale has said this before is that if you look at a lot of rooms in the country, you know, they have typically log jams at those middle weights of 49, 57, 41. You know, you got a lot of tweeners there. Um, and so, I mean, you know, they, I think, have had, I don't know if a different guy at 49 in every duel, but they've thrown at least three or four different guys out there uh, in the duels. And. Verclean apparently got, got banged up a little bit uh, in one of the early duels against either Indiana or Northwestern. Then it was Barraclough for a little bit. Um, and then it was Bartlett the last couple of times. So, I mean, you know, on one hand, okay, you say Verclearin's sort of a proven commodity in that he was a starter last year. He was an NCAA qualifier last year, so he knows the stresses of the Big Ten tournament, and he has situation before so how much does that experience count versus you know how much do you weigh that against your clearance only result this year and again same thing with Bartlett you know Bartlett's obviously young but has a lot of promise and a lot of Penn State fans I think are rightly excited about him um so I think it's the type of thing where you know like I, I think it's I think it's a good situation that Penn State is in, and that Cale Sanderson is in. I think you would rather be in a logjam at 49 with guys of this caliber than having to necessarily settle for someone at the weight come the postseason. And I definitely don't think any of the guys are settling, so to speak. Um, so you know, I think that that's going to be interesting is, you know, okay, is there going to be another round of wrestle-offs this week? Or, you know, Bartlett's got four matches, great, let's just roll with him and see where that gets us, given that one result he had against Sammy Sasso. So if I had to guess, uh, I would probably say it's going to be Bo Bartlett, but I wouldn't necessarily be shocked one way or another if it isn't. Mm
0: -hmm. And that actually, I think, might give some issues to our qualifying. So if we start Looking ahead, we can go back down to 41 and look at kind of the path out of the Big Ten. So there's eight spots uh, at 141. There's, um, uh, according to Flo's conference rankings, um, Drew Matten is ninth. He sits behind um, some guys that I think he could beat. Guys like uh, Polanco from Minnesota, Parker Phillips from Purdue. But he probably has to... Um, do it through the, the the tournament. He's not gonna get in that large and so it's um it's definitely one he's gonna have to earn. It's gonna be um you know one or two tough matches against guys like Phileas D'Amelio that you're gonna have to win, to, yeah, win and I mean, to the big dance.
2: You know, I mean let's say he draws the I don't know, what do you wanna say, the nine seed? The ten seed? I think that's seed? about
0: right. Nine.
2: Yeah, so let, I mean let's say he draws the nine seed. I mean you know, he's probably going to meet one of the top guys in the conference on the other side of the bracket, and mm-hmm. I mean, listen. Well, I think
0: he'll be the uh, the eight nine match, right against. Yeah. Someone, if he if he does get into the chan- the position where he has a chance to wrestle Lee or Ironman, I think that's probably a good sign. It means that he's beating somebody and he's you know close to qualification. Yeah,
2: definitely. So I mean, I think, you know, especially in those weights where you've got guys who are kind of ranked right in the middle. You know, they don't need to wildly out-wrestle their seed, and they don't need to wildly exceed expectations necessarily. But I think there's got to be some of that there in order for them to be, you know, viable qualifiers.
0: Mm -hmm. And then at 49, it's actually... uh, I thought it was a cinch, but now I'm starting to worry as I look at it. Uh, The Big Ten only has seven spots. Store is ranked number six. In the conference, but that's um with Bartlett down at the bottom because he doesn't have any matches.
2: Yeah, and I was going to say so. Intermat, just for the record, has Bartlett ranked eleventh in the country okay, as yeah. of Tuesday.
0: Where do they have Store?
2: So they've so I'll I'll just kind of go through it. So they've got Sasso at number two, uh, Max Murin at six, Store at uh, nine, Mikey Carr at ten, Bartlett at eleven. Griffin Parriott at, at 15, Yaya Thomas at 17, and uh, Ridge Lovett at 20 are the ranked guys. Jeez, I don't know how it. you
0: have store ahead of Carr at this point.
2: Yeah, so it's definitely
0: um, you know within him to do it. It's just yeah, I mean Lovett as well. I hadn't even thought about him, but he's uh, he's coming hard, replacing who was it? Uh, Brock Hardy was their starter at the start of the year. I think so. And now you know Lovett's looking really good. Um, yeah, you know, so Storr beat uh, Van Brill and Michael North, who are solid guys, but I think not going to qualify. Uh, and so there there's gonna be some tough matches that he's gonna have to pull off to to make it, which is crazy. You know, he was a guy who was talked about as a, a top eight guy at the start of the year. And now yeah, and I mean, he's in a battle just to qualify.
2: Yeah, and I mean here's the tough thing is, you know, you were talking about how, you know, for Matt and Store, you know, they're gonna need to do it through the tournament, I mean, I think that's the tough thing is even if, okay, so if they pick up two wins in the tournament, they're probably in pretty safely. I mean, if they pick up one and then, you know, lose and fall back into the Wrestlebacks, I mean, I just, like, if I'm the committee who picks the at-larges, like, depending on who they beat in the tournament, like, I just, I don't know if I'm enamored enough by either of their uh, resumes to you know consider them for an at large
0: mm-hmm. I think it's it's going to be tough for big ten guys because they in a lot of cases don't have many matches and they don 't have matches against the national field and so you know a guy like store if he doesn 't get it done at the conference tournament you know how how likely is he to even get an at large I think it a lot depends on the draw where mm-hmm. if he's able to get um one of the kind of solid but beatable guys, someone like Van Brill or Sharon Brock, rather than the um, kind of good but uh, don't have the same credentials, somebody like Lovett or a Bartlett. That that's going to have a big impact on his chances to qualify. Definitely. Um, do you think he's still a a top eight contender? You know, I mean, are there guys that? you know, enough guys that you think he could beat that it's plausible for him to still be an All-American store? I mean, if you just look at guys, like, in the 7 to 12 range, in the rankings, are those guys you see him beating?
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't say I watch much wrestling outside the Big Ten. I mean, here's the thing, is, like, you know, obviously... So, you know, we haven't seen a ton of, like, Iowa for instance, because they were on pause and they had a bunch of their matches canceled. Um, And, you know, I mean, I think when you're comparing the Big Ten to the other conferences, like, uh, I don't know, it's tough because there weren't any non-conference duels this year for a lot of the, I mean, I think the Big Ten was actually the only major conference that didn't have non-conference duels. But a lot of
0: them had kind of limited schedules, I think.
2: Yeah, no, certainly. So, I mean, I don't know looking at, you know, just looking at the rankings of, you know, seeing some of the guys who are ahead of store. I mean, I know, obviously, there are names that I've heard of and guys that I know uh, are pretty good. I mean, you know, if he qualifies, would it shock me? Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit, but, you know, if he's, like, I'm not saying he's necessarily going to pull a Kyle Connell-level upset, but, I mean, he could upset maybe a couple, like, top, I don't know, Fifteen or a couple of top 10 guys to sneak his way in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't know what his results were like last year or even when he was at Iowa State. I mean, I don't know. He, has he qualified before?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, well, he was like the 8 or 9 seed the last couple of years. And then he he was like round of 16 maybe the last time he actually was able to compete uh, at the national tournament. And then last year he was in the same range, like 8 or 9 or 10 seed.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it goes back to this whole thing. If we were talking about, okay, in the big 10 tournament, you know, these guys don't necessarily need to wildly outpace expectations. They just need to be able to do it enough to the point where they qualify. I mean, I think if you, okay, I think if you can do it then during the conference tournament, you would hope that you can carry that over to the NCAA tournament and you can, you know, wrestle a place or two above your seat, you know, in, in stores instance. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, but, you know, I, Again, I'm just not necessarily, like, super familiar enough with the field to have a definitive opinion one way or the other.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a year where you're not going to know anything for sure. Um, and it's it's just hard to have a really clear picture of anything.
2: Well, I was going to say, I mean, how has Michigan looked since it's shut down? I mean, I know they were shut down for two mm-hmm. weeks.
0: They've looked all right. I think it's affected certain wrestlers more than others. Um, I thought... Miles Amin and Will LaJuan in particular looked really rusty in that weekend where they wrestled Ohio State and Michigan State, uh, but looked mm-hmm. better, or Ohio State and Penn State, and then looked better against Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Store kind of somewhere in the middle.
2: Yeah, and I was going to say, so I mean, you know, Penn State had something similar early in the season, which I'll probably, you know, I don't want to say played to their advantage because obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic, so there's nothing advantageous about that, but you know, they kind of got it out of the way and were able to then focus on the rest of the season. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? You know, I mean, I know like last year, for instance, because I was covering last year's Big Ten tournament down at Rutgers. I mean, you know, I know Purdue, like, definitely exceeded a lot of people's expectations and finished top five or six, I think, at the conference tournament. Um, You know, I don't know where Michigan finished at last year's conference tournament. But, um, I mean, you know, I think Michigan's probably going to be a top four or five finisher. I mean, it'll be some variation of Iowa and Penn State, one and two. And then, you know, I think beyond Within that. Within the Big probably...
0: Ten, I think we're a, a fairly solid three.
2: Yeah, I was going to say. The,
0: I think the um, kind of what we're looking for as fans is, you know, can we get a trophy at the national tournament?
2: Yeah. And, like, Oklahoma
0: so. State, Missouri, um, who else? Like, Virginia Tech, I think, are all kind of pushing for those top four spots.
2: NC State. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I mean, it'll definitely be interesting. And, I mean, again, it's this whole thing about experience. Okay, so, Store and Matt are both experienced guys. So who knows, maybe that plays into their advantage more than their actual wrestling this year and more than their actual results. I mean, again, Penn State's such a young team that, you know, like, yes, obviously these guys will have wrestled in big high school tournaments and, you know, big national high school tournaments, but, you know, who knows if that's necessarily going to translate to, you know, big time college tournament success when you're, you know, 18, 19 years old, going up against kids who are, you know, like, potentially 23, 24. So, you know, I mean, uh, like, I'm, it's kind of cliche, but I mean, I'm a big believer in experience. So, you know, I think that that is definitely something that can't be discounted.
0: Yeah, that is a fair point that they don't necessarily need the mat time that you might want to get for a younger kid, but yeah, definitely one of those years where there's just not a whole lot to say sometimes. it's We've just got to see what happens when it plays out. Yep. Alright, Jake, uh, thanks for coming on.
2: Yeah, of course. Thanks again for having me.
0: And now we'll move up to 157. Moving on to 157, uh, 65 and 74. Joining me now is Dylan Ryan, who wrestled for Duke, uh, and is now uh, The Rhino on Twitter. You may know him from there. Uh... Dylan, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks. Happy to, happy to be on. Happy to talk some wrestling. I uh, really appreciate getting the opportunity to, to be here tonight.
0: Mm-hmm. So I guess let's just uh, kind of jump into it. Uh, 157, Michigan's been running with Will LaJuan. He's had uh, uh, a pretty decent season, I think. Uh, five and one wins over Elijah Cleary and Chase Aldate. The uh, loss to Brady Berge. On that Sunday morning match, but maybe some uh, kind of frustrating matches. The way he's been wrestling hasn't gotten to legs a whole bunch. What uh, what have you made of his season so far?
3: Yeah, I, I agree. He's an he's an interesting guy. We know what he's capable of based on his background. You know his freestyle credentials. You know, big time recruit for Michigan coming out of high school, and you you want to see him get to legs more often i feel like he's controlled ties and matches and controlled space uh, you know you liked what you saw in his last outing against saldate getting right to his knee pole and getting right to his his reattacks but it's been pretty frustrating to kind of watch him have to you know get to that position you know a lot of closer matches it seems like he's been hesitant to pull the trigger at times and and that's kind of, uh, you know, open the door for, for people to kind of hang around with him, especially, you know, a guy like Cleary's had a ton of close matches, but you want to see Luan kind of break away a little bit and, and kind of expand the distance between, you know, him and some of those other guys.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you see the loss to Bergie? Is that, um, do you see Bergie as like a really, you know, top tier, you know, maybe top five type of guy where it's, not too bad to lose to him or do you see him more as a eighth place round of 12 type guy and it's you if you want to place you got to beat him
3: it's a, i mean it's a good question i feel like a lot of those guys within the big 10 itself are kind of within the same tier bergy's a guy who's really difficult to score on he's very positionally sound uh you know he's got good head hands defense and he kind of you know caught Luan with a nice pick late. And, you know, he scored against Cleary late as well. Um, He's the type of guy you have to beat if you want to, you know, end up higher on the podium, you know, looking at, you know, third, fourth, fifth in the country. But I feel like Berge's within that, you know, he's a guy who could get beat by Brayton Lee or Kendall Coleman, you know, that tier of guys who's right there with, you know, I feel like you maybe have more confidence in Caleb Young, but, He's certainly a guy. If you're looking to, you know, score more points for Michigan in the tournament, you got to beat that guy.
0: Mm-hmm. At 165, it's been Cammie. He's also had a pretty good year. Uh, big wins over uh, Jake Tucker and uh, Joe Lee. Had a tough loss to Ethan Smith. I think four to three. Um, I, I've been pretty impressed with his wrestling. But what have you thought of it?
3: I have as well. Uh, For a young guy, he's really put pace on guys. He's controlled ties, getting to his left-handed collar tie and getting out offense and picking his spots really well. You know, he's not out there taking bad shots. He understands, it seems like, the riding game and how to build a match. You know, he's very, very aware of what the situation is, it seems like. you know, really controlled. You know, the match with Lee is very close. They get into a couple odd scrambles. I know in the the first period, you know, Lee went for a shuck by, and Amin kind of caught him in a body lock, and they ended up in a weird position where Amin's elbow kind of got caught. But Amin really did a nice job from top. You know, as Shane Sparks was like obsessed with during that match with all the mat returns. But you know, really put his pace and tempo on to kind of make you really feel good about him going forward um, as a guy who could potentially get on the podium at nationals.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was a little bit concerned because what I'd seen from him, it was pretty, pretty low volume. Like he said, he picks his spots, but he's finished so well this year and his defense has been so good that it's, it's actually worked really well for him.
3: Yeah, a- absolutely. been a- very impressed by his defense, especially against, you know, Ethan Smith is a really good leg attacker who's mm-hmm. really improved his finish rate this year. I mean, really did a good job early on at, you know, preventing himself from getting scored on. There's one near the end of the first period where Smith almost scores and and really kept good position. Um, so you got to be pretty excited about that from a, a young guy going into the postseason. Mm-hmm.
0: And then at 174 it's been Logan Massa up from 65 a couple years ago. He's been kind of inconsistent. it seems like he's he's done enough things well that you can say this is a really good wrestler and then enough things badly that almost every match it's like he's kind of wrestling badly where he he almost it's like he's going out of his way to look like a good wrestler having a bad match. Uh, and then he had that weird loss to Carter Starrock. He gave up uh, gave up four points trying to roll through in uh, tie breaks. Um, yeah. I guess, including that, but also besides that, what have you thought of Mass's season?
3: so i'm I'm on the same page as you. Uh, you know, Mass is a guy who, you know has had a high ceiling throughout his entire career. You know he's going to get to leg attacks early from space he's great from short offense Uh, but it seems like at times he shuts himself down almost um where he's hesitant to get to offense or he gives up these odd scores the match with staraki is just baffling you know considering the the roll through and uh, i'm sure it's been beat to death but you know late in that match he's the one dictating offense it seems like The really breathing heavy, the end of overtime, there's nearly two go-behinds there, and it it kind of felt like he just handed him the match there, and and some of that has happened with Massa over time, where you see the glimpses of a guy who's right there, you know, in the past with Imar, and these guys who are winning national titles, and you know that's, you know, there for him, uh, as long as he kind of Especially in freestyle, as long as he sticks to where where he's good. Um, but once he deviates from that it's it becomes very confusing and and rocky and sometimes you don't know exactly what you're gonna get.
0: Mhm- And so you know you, you talked about him having a high ceiling and you know kind of not always living up to it but it it kind of strikes me as you know there's certain wrestlers like um, you know, Kennedy Monday, for example, who, you know, everyone talks about his ceiling and how he's, you know, he could be one of the best guys in the country, but it seems like at some point you kind of have to admit this is who he is. I mean, Logan Massa at his last national tournament lost to Bryce Steyart, Um, and he's had losses to guys like that kind of the last couple years. Does he, does he still have that ceiling, or do you think people have to kind of accept that he tops out at a number six type guy in the country
3: i personally haven't i mean i'm probably late and i'm holding on to it too long i personally haven't sold that stock just because massa i feel like gives you more glimpses than some of the other guys of what Mm -hmm. he could be and what he is and and i agree looking at his history you know with steyer you know one year i think he lost to chandler rogers who was good but he had beat up on him you know the year before and we've seen him pound guys like isaac jordan but i feel like some of it is in the off season and freestyle which is you know different and, and more suited to some of his game you know he's beating these high level guys he's winning you know freestyle tournaments and then you know has some of these head scratchers so i i still think he's a guy who can you know push through and make a deep run especially at this weight would just you know, trust, looking at some of the other guys in the way, trusting that Massa can get to leg attacks and, and get into position to score. But it's certainly possible that he's just a guy who's fit their sixth place. And that's what he is, as you, as you're saying. And, and it's going to be one of those, you know, looking at the end of the season, kind of being like, okay, everything was there. All the data was there for me to say that I was just wrong again.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do kind of agree, actually, that he still got that upside. Um, it's just I was starting to want, worry, you know, am I kind of just seeing that because I'm a fan, you know, and how would I treat this guy if he were, you know, wrestling for another team? But I, I guess it's reassuring that you kind of see it that way.
3: Yeah, and, and maybe I have some of that bias as well, but I certainly haven't given up on it just because, as I said, I know he, he gets to positions where he's good and he's going to score in every – or. He gets there in every match where some of those other guys, you know, don't really have that ability to do that.
0: Mm. So let's go uh, back to the bottom uh, and start looking ahead to uh, the Big Ten tournament uh, potentially national. So uh, Willow won at 57. It, it seems like he should be able to qualify, he needs to be uh, top eight in the conference. Um, do, do you have any? doubts that he'll make that
3: no yeah i have i have no doubts i think he's a high floor guy it's going to be interesting to see how they seed things and seed throughout the tournament um because some of those guys in the middle like deacon's likely going to be the one and mm-hmm. young's probably the two Luan's probably the sixth seed but it, you know who who the three is is kind of up in the air it could be Bergie. it mm-hmm. could be brayton lee um you know, Luan's a guy I feel like I feel confident with him being in that top six. He could, with how with how close he wrestles, it's possible someone like Saldate, maybe on the backside, though I, I doubt it just based on how their match looked, mm-hmm. you know, could clip him. But, you know, Luan's a guy I think who could finish. I wouldn't be shocked if he was third, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if he was sixth.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it does seem like he has. A pretty high floor, if nothing else. Um, Cleary's the one tough matchup for him. He um, he actually lost to him in I think his red shirt year, Yep. And then had the I mean, um, the tiebreaker match a couple of weeks ago. But I mean, yeah, you know, you look at those guys like Soldate. You know, he beat uh, the Rutgers kid like eleven to five earlier in the season. Yep. So, yeah, it looks um, looks pretty safe for top eight. Yeah, and uh, I think.
3: With each match, he's maybe gotten a little bit, he's looked a little bit more offensive Mm -hmm. and with some more of that feel, I think he'll be, he'll be improved.
0: Yeah, I thought he, you know, he really started to open up over the course of last season. I remember his, one of his first matches against uh, Headley from uh, North Carolina, he lost like 3-2 and he was controlling the ties like the entire match and just couldn't actually score and then he gave up one shot off the whistle and that was the only takedown in the match. And it was just really aggravating to watch. And over the course of the year, he really started to open things up. You know, it looked like he was doing that this year. And then after the two week shutdown, it was back to how he was, uh, you know, day one where he's, you know, not able to get, get to legs at all. It seems like maybe he just needed a little bit more time on the mat.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. And, And, thinking about his career and his pedigree. So I, I feel good about him going into Big Tens.
0: Mm-hmm. Nationally, what uh, do you think his chances are of placing top eight?
3: So I think he's got, he's got a good shot. I, I feel more confident in him. Like it's uh, You've got those top guys. I feel like the top guys is a tier of three with mm-hmm. Deacon, uh, Hidley, and, and Carr essentially and then a collection of guys within this same realm Mm -hmm. with you know caleb young kendall coleman you know brady bergey Luans in there um you know at the kind of bottom of the you know national Mm -hmm. you know rankings or the the bottom of where you'd expect the all-americans to be that five to eight range but you know i feel better about him as compared to guys like Jared JQs or Jared Frantic. Um, You know, I feel like Luan's been more consistent with Teamer, who's also like a high upside guy. So I feel good about him being like, at least within that round of 12 range. And I think he'll, you know, if I were projecting it now, feel like he'd be kind of a, high All-American, meaning, you know, 7th or 8th, somewhere in that range. Um, mm-hmm. But as we said, he wrestles so many close matches that you can always get clipped by some of these guys.
0: Right, so yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be... got the,
3: the talent and potential to finish high, but
0: mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, it's definitely going to be one of those that's kind of within the margins either way, but, I mean, you know, just looking at some of these names, I would probably pick him to beat Jesse Vecchia Um yeah, I think he'll yeah, lose that's to when I left out. Television. He'll lose to probably a Kendall Coleman type of guy. But yeah, someone like uh JQ's or Justin Thomas, um, I think he's probably favored in those matches and yep. depending on the drug, I think it could actually I mean I, I like Luan's chances better than Cannon Stores' chances, even though I think he's lower down in the rankings.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. Feel more confident at fifty seven for Michigan than I do at forty nine. And I feel like you know more of what you're going to get with Luan.
0: Mm-hmm. So at 165, Cam um again, has to get top eight. Uh, pretty confident, although this weight at the Big Ten is much deeper. Um, what, what's your uh, assessment of his chances here?
3: Yeah, this is another weight that's going to be interesting to see how they seed it. Um, Marinelli is the clear top guy. Um, the two seed, I feel like it's going to be Bronigal, but they, mm-hmm. with how often Spark, like Sparks is the weird one to seed because he's wrestled so many matches and his only loss is to Marinelli that they could really seed him anywhere from two to like six.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so some of it's the draw. I feel comfortable that mean's going to place within the allocation, mm-hmm. um, I don't think he's a guy that's gonna beat a guy like Marinelli um, at all, but he's had two close matches as a red shirt with Bronigal. He's been right there with Ethan Smith. He's obviously beaten Joe Lee. So he's a guy who could, you know, dependent on where he ends up in the bracket, be a guy who makes a, a little run or finishes third, but he's a guy who could also finish seventh. That's kind of that same scenario where all these guys are bundled up and Mm -hmm.
0: um, you know it seems like he with his wins over like jake tucker and nick south he's got he's got a floor there where he's probably not going to be outside the top eight but how do you see him dealing with you know we've seen him wrestle the kind of solid guys the ethan smith and joe lee how do you see him dealing with um somebody like andrew sparks who's um you know harder to finish on is going to put legs in on top
3: that's the interesting matchup to me because they can both, I mean, Amin is is very athletic in his own regard. Um, and Sparks is a guy who's still somewhat learning, you know, what his potential is just with how little mat time he's had throughout his career as a kid who just started in high school. Um, so I personally would pick Amin right now just because I feel like I know more about him. Um, but regardless, it's gonna be a close match. I feel like Amin has the tank to match Sparks' tank. Um, he's a guy who, you know, Sparks early on in the year, came back against Peyton Robb and, you know, has been right there in matches. But, I, you know, I feel good about I Amin mean, getting the legs, still feel good about him getting off bottom and feel like he's has the pace to match what sparks can bring, kind of late, it's going to be an interesting uh, matchup to to track over time between those guys because I, I feel like they're both going to improve considerably.
0: hmm Yeah, it um, it's going to be one of those, you know, sort of like with LeBlanc, There's going to be a lot of close matches. It's going to be potentially some really exciting moments, some really aggravating moments. But he's uh, he's pretty solidly a qualifier nationally does he have any sort of chance of placement he,
3: you know there are surprises every year so would it shock me to see him finish eighth or something like that depending on his draw not necessarily but i feel like he's more of a round of 16 round of 12 guy um though 65 is interesting i mean wenzel's look good all year but he's a guy who's been beaten by joe lee before and um, you know, there's this middle pack of guys, you know, five to eight right now with, you know, Wenzel and Zach Hartman, who's never placed, you know, Bronigal, who's had close matches against your Ethan Smiths of the world, Camamine, you know, then you've got guys like Kendi Monday, who we've talked about, who's, you know, obviously very long, athletic, is great from open space, but really has never quite put it together out of a few flashes, like the, you know, tech of McFadden to really be confident at all in him. And then there's somewhat of an unknown of, you know, Keegan O'Toole is a guy who, you know, was a top recruit, who's a monster on, you know, on his feet and on top, but really hasn't seen the top college competition. Um, So, you know, he's within that entire whatever you want to call it, tier. I feel more confident in your Wenzel, Bronigal-type guys. But he could certainly sneak through with a couple of close matches and end up on the back end of the podium.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, looking through the rankings, it it seems a little more likely that he loses to somebody like uh, a Sparks or a Peyton Robb rather than going up and beating somebody like Wenzel or Ethan Smith or whatever. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's um, I mean, he, he could do it, but it's going to be a lot of, you know, 40, 60 type matches, and he's going to have to pull out like three of them in a row. Yeah,
3: it's it's going to be some kind of one point win. He's going to, it's, you'd have to build the match like he had against Smith, where he finds one good, like, you know, he gets that pick, he finds one good leg attack, and then kind of hangs on positionally, um, which is feasible. But that's, it's hard to just, do. we've seen it over and over again in the national tournament. It's hard to do that. You know, two times in a row, three times in a row against the best competition. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're a young guy who, who you know, is just getting that experience.
0: Mm-hmm. So now let's look at 174. Uh, Logan Massa, probably the three seed in the Big Ten, uh, could be the four behind Caleb Romero, but I'm guessing three. Um, seems seems pretty safe to qualify. Would you agree?
3: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a lock. I feel like I, I think those, you know, your Labriola, Kemmerer, Storaki, Massa, Romero are in kind of their own bubble. You know, there's tiers within that. I feel like where I think your Caleb Romero is maybe on the outside looking in, but those guys I think are just considerably better than the rest of the guys in the field. I, I know Washington has a win over Storaki early in the year, but I feel like that was more of a, a fluke than it was that he's within that conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. For some reason I thought Labriola had only wrestled like two matches, but I mean, he's, he's wrestled pretty much every duel they've had. So
3: yeah, I know, I know the camera uh, match didn't happen because they put out Kennedy, which was right. interesting. Um, but yeah, I feel like we just haven't mm-hmm. seen some of the other bigger teams on
0: mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's the one. Uh, Romero and Labriola. I'm kind of because I, I think Kemmerer would beat Massa. I think he just finishes too well. Um, That's
3: that's the thing. Kemmerer always finds his way to a leg. mm He's he's so defensively sound too. We've seen this with Mark Hall. It seems like his hips just are so heavy. He's always moving his feet, and as you said, when he gets to a leg, he scores.
0: Mm -hmm. but then um the the kind of the guys one step down uh labriola we saw this to rocky match and um caleb romero how do you think those go so
3: i mean i've given away some of my thoughts on massive but i still feel like to me he's still the second best guy in this in this weight at least in the big 10 or the guy that i'm more confident in. I know in this Staraki got to two good leg attacks early on, you know, off a double. And then it seemed like Massa was really the one finding opportunities, you know, rode him for a minute, five, you know, just nearly had riding time. I feel like if that match, if he doesn't roll and he gets his escape, I feel like it, it ends up going his way. And maybe that, you know, Maybe I'm wrong about that and I'm happy to be wrong. Um, but I just feel again, he's a guy he gets to he gets to leg attacks, he gets to front headlocks more so than you know, Romero's still a guy who struggles to finish somewhat though he's got a good double from space and he's sound defensively and with his hand fighting. Um, and though Labriola's has had a really good year and he's been solid historically, you know he, we've still seen him lose to the guys like Skatska, or have these close matches with Romero where I, I just, I feel, I still feel good about Massa and going in and riding with him. Um, though he certainly could take fifth, as we've talked about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's one where I, I just probably won't know until I see it. But yeah, definitely has the ability to beat these guys. Uh, it, it seems like on paper should be beating them with, with uh, the wins he's had in freestyle over the past year and a half. Beating um beat guys like Gant beat uh Anthony Valencia pretty convincingly beat Aiden Heidley. Uh, who was um yeah, I, I forget the he's name.
3: tortured but, Valencia in freestyle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe.
0: And then I mean, nationally, it's it's actually the same story, isn't it? There's there's not a lot of guys outside the Big Ten that are really up there. I think Demetrius Romero is the highest ranked. Yep.
3: And I think I think him and Mass have split historically, where Romero mm-hmm. clipped him, and then Mass I think tacked him uh, pretty mm-hmm. badly. Um,
0: was that like yeah. at the same tournament at Vegas one yeah. year or something?
3: I think so. I think it was at Cliff Keen.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But yeah, I agree with you. I feel like it's you know Demetrius Romero's high up there. He's been a high seed, if I remember correctly, at Nationals before and and gotten beat. I don't think he's placed yet. Um, but outside of that, there's a lot of guys without that history, you know, plot is down at 17 on intermat. or, you know, he's a high level recruit, but really is, you know, banged up and hasn't done much. You know, there there's this riddled list of guys who you just feel really confident about your masses of the world, you know, beating up on those guys we've seen him beat up on you know dj washington this year already so you have to feel really solid about him being in all american the question is you know can he punch through to the finals or is he a guy who ends up in the fifth place match
0: mm-hmm. yeah i think 165 this year is not as brutally deep as it is some years or 174 i mean where it it brings his floor up a little bit there's not as many round of 16 danger matchups yep um so it's it's really just how high can he get among that group of you know Kemmerer, uh you know Romero other Romero Staraki type guys
3: yep i i completely agree
0: mhm uh so that's going to do it for this segment of the show uh Dylan thanks for coming on
3: thank you for having me anytime
0: Moving on up to the upper weights, 184, 97, and heavy. Leo, the very first guest from the show, uh, makes his return. Leo, how are you What's doing?
4: What's up, man? I'm really excited to talk about Mason Paris especially.
0: Yeah. yeah, He's had a, a good season. It seems like some of the Michigan guys that we were excited about going into the year, it hasn't quite played out how we thought. Mm-hmm. But with, um, with Amin and especially with Paris, it really has.
4: Oh, yeah. Big time with Paris. He just keeps proving me right. I love it
0: Mm mm-hmm so let's get into uh, these weights so 184 was was kind of a mixed bag we had three different starters Mm -hmm. Uh, true freshman Joe Walker went 0-2 the first weekend Uh, Jelani Embry made one appearance he was probably injured the first half Uh, got crushed by Rocky Jordan from Ohio State and after that it was uh, Jaden Bullock he also uh, wrestled the Indiana duel and won that, and then he lost to uh, Michigan State and Penn State, who are pretty good opponents.
4: Yeah, notably Jaden Bullock has uh, Michigan's only win at 184 this season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't have a ton to say about this weight personally. Um, I kind of thought, well, I, I thought it, this weight was going to be a mean going into the year. I think, that's yeah, what we, I thought about, he'd right? be at
0: 184.
4: Yeah. Um, but even barring that I thought maybe we'd see more from Embry. But mm-hmm. um I guess it's exciting to see how Bullock pans out. Um good experience for him to get at the very least. He hasn't been bad. Um none of and none of the Michigan eighty fours have been bad. I don't think Michigan has given up bonus at eighty four the whole season.
0: I think um I think against Ohio State, Jelani Embry gave up. He lost like twelve oh.
4: Oh, yeah, that's a rough one. Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, Bullock I think especially has done well in um, mm-hmm. in battling against some of the higher ranked guys.
4: Yeah, and you know at least he's in there.
0: Mhm. Yeah, he um he got a couple takedowns on some of those guys. He got one on Aaron Brooks, who's a lot of people's uh, favorite to win the weight. Yep. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, it was it was kind of an up and down year. It was, it was a weird year at this weight, but I think um. Good experience, for especially for Walker and for Bullock. hmm And um, something to build on.
4: Yeah, not necessarily Michigan's year at this weight, but uh, a lot of good mat time to have.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: so we move going up to 97.
0: Yeah, so 97 started out with Andrew Davison. We thought mm-hmm. it would be... Uh, we, we didn't know for sure who would be the guy at this weight. Uh, Andrew Davison did okay. He... Uh, He went like one and two or something. Yeah,
4: of one and two, according
0: to a little bit underwhelming, and then Miles Amin came in at the weight was uh, three and zero. Had some close matches that we didn't expect to be that close, and then uh, finally seemed to look himself in the last match of the year. Beat uh, Cam Caffey pretty convincingly.
4: Yeah, that that match never looked particularly close.
0: Mm
4: -hmm. Mhm, mhm. And he had he his season debut was against Beard, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it was against Hoffman from Ohio State, and then oh, no, beard like other, the next right. day. It was
4: against Hoffman. Um, but neither neither of those guys particularly easy guys to debut against. Um, you know, I know he's been. Uh, you talked about he's been injured. Um, I don't think he's looked particularly impressive, but hopefully he can get healthy and put it together for the postseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I don't know the extent of his injuries or anything. I just know that he's wearing a, a huge amount of tape on his hand to the, in, um, in the Ohio State match to the point that he the announcers were talking about he can't, you know, grab with it. He can kind of hook and pull, but he can't actually like grab your wrist.
4: Right. Yeah, right. And that's um, I would say that's been one of the things I've noticed most about his performance this season he's not he's not super active in the hand fight and obviously that just makes it really hard to get to your offense mm-hmm. so he seemed kind of flat at times you know
0: yeah and, and it did seem like he um he kind of got better as things wore on it also seemed like he was a little bit uh sluggish and it seemed like he was struggling with his gas tank and um mm-hmm. those are obviously things that'll come back with more mat time for sure and so i, I think by by uh, the national tournament, he should have all that fixed.
4: Yeah, as, yeah, like you said, he's getting better, which he's definitely trending up, which is what we want to see. Um, yeah, he's, he, he's looked a little rusty, but I think, honestly, that it's not that surprising, considering he's a guy who probably isn't spending a lot of time on folk style in the offseason either, you know?
0: Right, yeah. I mean, to, to the extent he was able to wrestle, I think it was probably almost entirely freestyle. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so then, at heavyweight, uh, didn't have any kind of lineup changes. It was mm-hmm. Mason Paris from the jump. What do you think of his season?
4: I loved it, hundred percent bonus rate. He had what is the six matches? He goes mm-hmm. major, tech, pin, tech, major, pin. Yeah. Um, his tech, the he teched Orndorff against mm-hmm. Ohio State. He looked terrifying in
0: that match. Yeah.
4: He he was kind of just doing whatever he wanted against Orndorff, and it was it was beautiful Mm -hmm. and that was that was also a big part of of michigan winning that duel so shout out to him
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it is pretty crazy that everyone uh basically outside the top maybe eight or so he's just gonna completely obliterate yes and like they're they're not even gonna give him a match unless they're all american level guys yeah no
4: and like even looking at this top eight like No offense to Gannon Gremmel, but what does Gannon Gremmel have to offer him?
0: Mm -hmm. I think he would not pin a guy like Gremmel. He wouldn't just completely destroy him on the mat, but he could could get as many takedowns as he wanted.
4: Yeah, and I mean, I think Mason Paris is, he's just, he's a great wrestler. He's not a great heavyweight, you know? Right. The bar can be a little bit lower for heavyweights, um, but he is active. He is a shooter. I think a thing that you see pretty often with heavyweights is a reluctance to shoot unless they are pretty sure that the shot will work, right? But Paris isn't afraid to kind of be, you know, underneath a dude's sprawl a little bit more. And he will fight out of those positions a lot better than I think you see for many heavyweights. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he definitely, I think, recovers from a missed shot better. He's got that short dump that he hits. Oh, yeah. Uh, and sure. He puts a lot of people to their back. And then, I mean, just just kind of his attitude. I remember in the RTC Cup against uh, Gwizdowski. Mm-hmm. So he gets a takedown to take the lead.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And then he's with like eight seconds left and he's going for a lace. And the coach is like, no, stop. Just like sit here. You'll win. The only <laughs> yeah. way you can lose is if you're going for stuff. And he's, But it's just his approach to wrestling is he's always going for stuff.
4: Yeah, and he's, you know, like you mentioned that RTC Cup, he's had a lot of great experience. You know, he had that Junior Worlds run. He's had he went to Senior Nationals, right?
0: Um, I don't think so. Oh, I'm
4: way off. But he went to, he went to RTC Cup.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, he's oh, no, 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 no yeah, yeah, yeah. He won Senior Nationals. What am I talking yeah, about? Yeah,
4: he won Senior na- Ha, I knew I was right. <laughs> I was thinking um, Juniors
0: for some reason, but yeah, yeah, he won Senior Nationals. Yeah,
4: no. So he's getting a lot of mat time against good opponents. And he's still... A- is Mason Paris a sophomore?
0: No, he's a junior. This is his junior year. Career. True junior.
4: Yeah, so he's a... Tr- Dude, this guy is my age. He is a twenty-year-old. He can't order a beer yet, mm-hmm. and he won junior national or senior nationals. You know, he's been in there with Guiz. Gable ducked him at Club Cup. Gable ducked him at RTC Cup. Yeah, I uh, I might be getting a little bit excited here, but like, I don't know, man.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it was um, it was a really good season from start to finish for him. One of mm-hmm. one of the only guys I feel like we can say that about. Oh, for sure. So it's yeah. it's worth celebrating, I think.
4: Yeah, and I think in all fairness, some some of those some of these Michigan guys may have had semi-inflated expectations going into the season. Mm-hmm. Not inflated, just very high expectations. You know, the type that are not easy to live up to. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mason Paris is a hodge uh, a hodge contender in my eyes.
0: So. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially with the kind of season Gable Stevenson's been having, if he. Um, if he can take him out, I think he wins the Hodge.
4: Yeah, I haven't been paying a lot of attention to Minnesota's season. Mm-hmm.
0: But, uh... I think it's um, it's probably Stevenson and Spencer Lee are the top two. I'm I'm yeah. making this up, but that's just my perception of it. Um, so I guess kind of looking ahead to the postseason. Let's go back to uh, the start with 184.
4: Yeah, let's circle back.
0: So I guess to start, who do we think uh, Michigan even sends for Big Tens?
4: Um, so I. I prob- to me, I think Bullock makes the most sense. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, he's got their only win, um, and that's you know that's very much that's good experience for him to get in there. I know Embry. Embry is older though, so there maybe I think maybe there's a chance they send him through there. Yeah, he
0: does have kind of more of a track record. He qualified uh, at 184 last year, but it seems like yeah, if um whether it's health or just his performance. If he wasn't there in the regular season, I don't know why they would want to throw him out there, especially when he was – I mean, he was good, but he wasn't like a surefire qualifier, a guy who's going to be winning tons of matches at Nationals.
4: Yeah, no, and I would say, I mean, personally, I'm i am not the coach, but personally, Bullets look the best. Uh, he's a young dude. I think it's, you know, get him out on the mat and see where he goes, you know.
0: Um, yeah. So I I was just pulling up the rankings. So to qualify at this weight, um, you've got to be top eight. Uh, they're they're doing something weird with the terminology. So it says seven pre allocations, but it's, it's plus the champs so top eight. Uh, you're in. So I think it's pretty clear. Michigan will not be getting an at large. So we've got to get top eight to qualify this weight class. Um, Right now, Flo has Michigan ranked eleventh at that weight.
4: Sorry, what did you just say? I accidentally unplugged my headphones.
0: So uh, we're going to have to get top eight to qualify this weight. Yeah, almost certainly. Um, so that they have Michigan ranked number eleven at this weight. Um, Zach Bronicki is number eight. Rocky Jordan is number ten. That's, but there's there's some guys higher up because it, it was such a crazy year. There's guys like um, Owen Webster, John Posnansky max lion that i think are beatable it's um it's a tall order but maybe maybe there's a chance
4: yeah i I don't i think he he certainly has a a shot um uh you know i'd like to see him see him wrestle and see what happens
0: Mm -hmm. you know at
4: the very least i think this is a guy who will be uh you know a, a pretty fire national qualifier perhaps even by his junior years. so mm-hmm. you might as well let him get that postseason experience now
0: mm-hmm. yeah n- now that I've really looked at the path I think it makes even more sense to send him as a guy with a little more upside and a guy who's able to kind of battle through a lot of tough matches mm-hmm. yeah so I guess I'd say the odds are probably against him and we can't really expect him to um to be able to get it done but He's, he's got a shot, I mean the, these guys have all got serious holes, and I think he gets the legs so well that you know he could he could get three takedowns before they've even realized oh i've I've gotta really work to win this one
4: yeah he's he's the type of dude that could maybe sneak up on somebody
0: mm-hmm. um so okay. one ninety seven um it's one
4: ninety seven we got a mean here,
0: yeah, so He's. I don't think we have to worry too much about qualifying. Um, no. He's. He's already gotten three really good wins. He. Um, mm-hmm. So the, so the top guys. Yeah. So the top guys at this weight in the Big Ten are Schultz from Nebraska, mm-hmm. uh, Jacob Warner from Iowa, and Caffey from Michigan State, mm-hmm. who uh, you know he already beat pretty Caffey so.
4: Pretty comfortably.
0: Where do you see him kind of stacking up in that group?
4: Yeah, so I, I think he's, he's. I think I can pretty confidently say that Miles Amin is better than Warner um, just because Warner's not a super active guy sometimes and he will drop matches. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Miles Amin pretty much stacks up as a Big Ten finalist. Uh, thoughts?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure how they seed it. Um, I would guess he'll either be the two or the three and probably get mm-hmm. Warner. And then it'll be Schultz number one.
4: Yeah, because Schultz has that has the best record mm-hmm. by a pretty pretty good amount.
0: So against Jacob Warner, I, I really like that match for mean, Basically he like you said, he's gonna just do a whole lot more. Um, yeah. I mean Warner's a very low scoring wrestler.
4: Yeah, he's and he's a very low output guy in general, mm-hmm. you know. He doesn't he doesn't do a lot.
0: And his, his offense is low ankle stuff, and it, it seems to work on based on the guy just being kind of slow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't think you'll be able to do that so easily against a guy like Amin who can actually move well.
4: Yeah, I mean, so he has looked a little flat this season at times, so maybe you give Warner a little bit of a chance. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he's been getting sharper match by match as we've talked about it. And now – he's got some rest and some time to to practice and work on that gas tank. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think Big Ten's should, he should really start to shine the way we've been looking at, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so then, um, if he, if he gets past uh, Warner, I really like his chances against Schultz. I think they're pretty similar wrestlers. It's just Schultz is just a little more consistent um, in terms of his Mm -hmm. volume and in terms of just like not making mistakes. He doesn't, give up a lot of go-behinds the way, um, the way Warner seems to sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, both Warner and Schultz, they score a fair number of go-behinds where the guy just takes a shot and then they're a really big guy and they're not super mobile and they can't recover position all that well. And right. I think Amin that's, doesn't really – isn't susceptible amazing. to that in the same way. Yeah, no, that's
4: absolutely not the case with Amin. He's a far more active wrestler. Um, he sets up his shots well. He's he's not an easy guy to hit
0: go-behinds at all on. Mm-hmm. So then if um, we look at uh, 197 nationally, mm-hmm. it's a little bit weird where um you know Noah Adams was kind of the guy going in, yeah. but he was pretty untested, and now he's lost to uh, Buchanan from Wyoming a couple times. Um, yeah.
4: are, those, are those his losses?
0: Yeah, he, he's lost twice to Buchanan. I think that's it.
4: Hmm, that's that's not I so I I didn't even know who Noah Adams had lost to. Um he looked awesome last year, mm-hmm. but those those Buchanan losses are certainly troubling. Um but then on the other hand, I don't really see Buchanan as a major title contender either. Right. Uh that may be unfair to him. Haven't watched a lot of his matches, but also hadn't really heard of him before mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, so So, Cordell
0: Norfleet is, I think, the highest-ranked guy that we haven't talked about from Arizona State. mm -hmm. He's pretty good, but, I mean, he, first of all, has struggled on the mat at times, and I could definitely see him getting knocked off along the way by someone like Adams or Tanner Sloan. Yeah, for sure. And then I think even if it comes to a head-to-head match, Amin has struggled a little bit more with they're really solid guys they're really heavy hand fighters when you look at his international results yeah. and his results at 74 uh guys like mark hall he just you mm-hmm. know couldn't uh couldn't score on that guy uh norfleet isn't quite that kind of wrestler i mean he's he's pretty solid but he's also i think a little bit looser sometimes
4: yeah yeah and i think yeah he likes you know he likes to have a match sometimes and nothing wrong with that. I think that absolutely makes for a more exciting product a lot of the time. Um, but I, I do think giving miles and mean opportunities to score on you isn't a, gr- a great path to victory. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think Norfleet has also had a fair amount of health issues not as much this year but just going back. yeah
0: you know? yeah or may- maybe his results uh, he's better than his results would suggest.
4: Yeah, I think he's better than a lot of his results would suggest. But also, if you can't stay healthy, you're only as good as you are when you're on the mat. And if you're not right. on the mat, you're not good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, yeah. he he beat Jake Woodley in tie breaks this year. He beat uh, Stephen Buchanan uh, by mm-hmm. fall. Uh, the, the, right after Buchanan beat Noah Adams, then he got pinned by Norfleet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I would guess he's actually probably the, the top contender apart from Amin. So I think I mean, yeah. I mean, what what's the worst you could see him doing?
4: For nationals, I mean, one of the fun things about the national tournament is that you never know what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. That being said, s- semifinals almost certainly, unless mm-hmm. you take, you know, barring a weird loss along the way, and I mean, really, I I'm fairly certain he's. I mean, just guy. the
0: only guys that I could. At all, conceive of beating him are like Norfleet, Tanner, Sloan, yeah, and like Adams,
4: yeah. And I think he's better than all those,
0: guys. yeah. I would pick him in all those matches, just in terms of worst case scenario, he would get like fifth. I
4: don't know, maybe he get. maybe AJ Ferrari will beat him.
0: AJ Ferrari is really good, actually. AJ Ferrari
4: is. I make fun of him sometimes, but he's had a, a very exciting freshman season, mm-hmm. and you know, I I would not be surprised to see him.
0: Yeah, he'll be nice. he'll be a top eight guy.
4: Almost, yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: Rocky Elam as well is um, one of those guys who's really tough to score on. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's weird because this weight does not have a great like top five. There's really no one who stands out as like, oh yeah, that guy's like a a national champ type wrestler, mm-hmm. but you. In terms of, you know, going down the list, you go all the way down to, you know, 14th, 15th. Like, oh, yeah, that that guy's pretty good. He could place. No, so yeah, you could have a really good wrestler. round of 12, um, you know, Thursday night, Friday night type matches.
4: Yeah, I mean, even down to 16th, like Jake Woodley, mm-hmm. not having a great year this year, but he's definitely had. Yeah, he's a decent
0: some. wrestler. He's beaten, uh, beaten Warner.
4: Yeah, he's had a lot of bright spots throughout his college career, several bright spots.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: He had a great red shirt freshman year, however long ago
0: that was. Yeah, so I, I, I really like Amin's chances at this weight.
4: Yeah, for sure. Um perhaps not as much as I had liked him well at eighty four at the beginning of the year. But I still think he's probably the guy. Mm-hmm. I think Big Tens will be super telling for this weight.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, if he if he runs through him like we're kinda of hoping, then it's like, oh yeah, he's he's probably just gonna win. Yeah, But maybe sure. he struggles like he did with Beard and Hoffman.
4: Could, yeah, he could. But hopefully he'll be a little sharper than he has been. He'll be able to pile up those wins like he mm-hmm.
0: needs to. So in looking at heavyweight again, I think we don't need to worry about qualifying.
4: Nope. nope
0: um, about, but... I think he runs to the semis, at least, of his tournament, where yeah. he'll have Cassiope.
4: He's been Cassiope before. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, Cassiope's having a good year, but I think... Even if he doesn't pin him, Paris is going to take him down several times.
4: Yeah, and so, yeah, and Cassiope is outstanding physically. Um, But so is Mason Paris. Mason Paris, can I call Mason Paris the best athlete in college wrestling? I'm calling Mason, no, Mason Paris is the best athlete in college wrestling right now. Um, You know, people have talked about his athletic accolades enough. you know, he, he he could have gone D1 in three different sports and he chose wrestling. So physically, I'm not really worried about him against anybody. Cassiope could be an interesting test for him, but I think Mason is just technically better. So what mm-hmm. do you think about uh, his matchup with Gable in the finals?
0: I still give the edge to Gable. Um,
4: kind of have
0: to don't you yeah i mean he he's looked so good all year he Mm -hmm. he's really like put a pace on guys this year in a way he didn't in the past he's taken a lot more attacks yeah and he's still he's still just as solid as he ever was
4: yeah in a way yeah so he's pushing the pace i guess i would say in a way it's always kind of seemed like he could do you know how sometimes Gable Stevenson, Stevenson used to kind of just look like he wasn't trying?
0: Yeah, he would just – he'd be up, you know, get two or three takedowns and then just coast. Like, okay, yeah, what, what, what are you going to beat me? There's nothing you can do to me, so I don't care.
4: Which, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, for yeah. sure. But it's also just not the best way to wrestle. Mm-hmm. But – it seems like you're saying a lot of that is not in his game so much this year. Yeah, I think
0: he's been a lot more assertive, um, basically from start to finish. Getting, I mean, he he's been tacking people uh, or pinning them. He's yeah. he's actually cradled a bunch of guys. But even when he doesn't awesome. pin them, he's getting. Like he uh, he tacked Christian Lance with like you know Jeez. nine takedowns or whatever.
4: That's awesome. Yeah, he grew the beard and now he wrestles like an adult. Oh. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's, yes, um, that's, they've that's, both been kind of just tearing through everybody they've wrestled, so it'll be good to see them run into each other.
4: Yeah, they, no, that's, that's genuinely really exciting. Um, po- possibly, like, my most anticipated match of Big Tens? I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I feel like there's nobody outside the Big Ten to worry about, but the not, new not wrinkle is uh, Kirk Fleet from Penn State. Uh, yeah, so
4: he's definitely a wrinkle.
0: Because um, mm-hmm. we thought he wouldn't be wrestling; he was injured or whatever. Yeah, uh, he I came do. back for the final duel of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess he'll be—I have no idea where they seed him, but he—he's gonna be kind of problematic, right?
4: Yeah, that dude's a problem. Um, maybe not so much this year for him. You know, as you pointed out, he was out till that final duel. Which probably doesn't bode well for him being super sharp, um, and he's pretty raw in a lot of ways. But I do think he is one of the faster, more capable heavyweights in college wrestling right now. Um, he has actual technique, so that's really cool to see. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not just a big dude.
0: Yeah, and it's it's tough to see to know where he stacks up, but he did tack Yusuf Hamida. At that, uh, Nittany Lion, whatever they call okay. her, one of their little, their little mm-hmm. yeah, Hamida players. was uh, a top eight guy yeah, in you know, like 2019, uh, yeah, Cliff King guy, actually.
4: Yeah, I think he might have two All American places, so. mm-hmm. but certainly, certainly his senior year, he placed, unless last last year. Was it.
0: Uh, but, um, I th- I think he was done by uh by 2020 because he he was yeah. I believe at Michigan last year. No, but
4: yeah, you're da- yeah, you're almost definitely right about
0: that. Yeah, no, he's um he's a good wrestler, and the way Kirkfleet just easily beat him was, you know, eye opening. So yeah, I have to. Go it's back. just hard. To, I mean, he's probably a better freestyle wrestler uh than collegiate.
4: Yeah, and I think that's the case with um. Certainly a lot – these top three guys at heavyweight. I
0: All really good athletes. at freestyle, yeah.
4: Yeah, and even even generally across a lot of weights, these best guys can go in freestyle. They have freestyle accolades, mm-hmm. which is certainly cool to see, although not so much our topic of conversation today.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, like we said with uh, Amin, the floor is pretty high here. I don't see him getting worse than third. And I, I do think there's an outside chance he wins it. Um, yeah. I think he's probably... So they, they're they probably going to put Kirkfleet on his side of the bracket. So we'll have yeah. to hit him at Big Tens, um, even before the finals. Mm-hmm. And that'll kind of tell us a lot about, you know, where... I mean, both him and Kirkfleet, where they fit in.
4: Yeah, that'll be, that'll be a really good match to watch, especially uh, just from a... The point of looking at Kirkleat and who he's going to be over the next couple years, um, but I kind of just think Mason is just a more advanced version in certain ways. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely like him in that match. Although we'll get to see it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to say most likely scenarios he finishes second, both in the conference and in the country. But yeah, probably. I think I think a, a real contender to to win it all.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think um, his chances of beating Gable Stevenson, Stevenson are a little bit lower than I might like them to be, but uh, st- certainly the best in the country, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's been um, it's been a, re- a really good season for him, like we said earlier, and I think uh, really exciting to look forward to him postseason.
4: No, yeah, he's just been a wrecking machine in the po- in the in the regular season, so hopefully he'll get some real tests, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. that's going to do it for this show and uh, this whole kind of series of season recaps and uh, postseason previews Leo, uh, thanks for coming on the show maybe we'll get you back on again
4: yeah, thanks for having me man, it was great talking to you